wrap it up. Hey, Chad. Yo, yo. How's it going? What's up, man? Another good week. GM. It's uh, Chad there. Good morning. Good morning. GM, GA, GN. We got them all. Yeah, you guys want to get started? I mean, we're we're at the hard cap right now, liquidity. Maybe we can start on that little point. And I, and that's that's something that's been a long time coming, and now we're finally like at. I mean, it, it's a it's a completely just different state for the network because like we're we're actually at the point where um, you can't actually add liquidity anymore, so it's savers or dual LPs. So it's something that we just haven't seen before being uh, being that high up in like terms of security to liquidity. So I'm, I'm wondering uh, what your guys' thoughts are on that. Yeah, I guess it's kind of bittersweet. It's probably much due to the rune price and just like altcoin prices kind of across the market. I mean, I'm sure liquidity's been. I, you probably have. You maybe you guys know the stats a bit better than I do, but um, yeah, I don't know like how much of that is due to new liquidity versus just like the market action, but probably not the 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 way to hit the cap that we would all have hoped. Yeah, it's almost all due to to rune price, basically. Uh... And just the amount of total rune in the pools versus the total amount of rune in the in the bond module, uh, and with with the change to effective security, I think we talked about this on the last um, on the last space. But with the change to effective security, where the where there can only be enough rune in the pools that so that um, that's equal to two thirds two thirds of the lowest bonded nodes so like basically what it would take to disable attack the entire network that's the the hard cap for liquidity so for security you can't actually add liquidity past that point and that's the point that we're at and that basically and basically yeah it's just because of rune price going down and bond staying about the same liquidity staying about the same so when that when the value of that uh of that rune dips below the uh below the cap, then you can't add any more liquidity to the network. So like at, at this point, basically uh, you can't, you can't, you can still make swaps and everything like that. Uh, and, and you can even swap synths. That was a, a recent change that was just made where you can actually still do arbitrage and, and swap synths, even though with the hard cap, because that doesn't really change security, but you can't actually add more liquidity to the network to stop from getting uh, too top heavy, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, well, Savers, uh, you know, was pretty successful in accomplishing what it was trying to do, which in the end, I think it had about like, um, highest, I think it was like 720 uh, Bitcoin. And so that obviously added a lot of liquidity to the, to, the, to the network, which is obviously a really good thing. And then like kind of the tail end of it, we saw this kind of like alt, alt murder <laughs> <laughs> like last week we saw this, a lot of alts just get majorly slashed um, and obviously we're not immune to that kind of stuff and so that kind of tipped it over the edge but um, um, 
something we were expecting. I remember I called that out. They were, they were gonna, we might hit the, the uh, cap at some point in the next few weeks or month or so. It happened quicker than I thought. I thought it was gonna happen, to be honest with you, but it still happened nonetheless. Um, it's not. It's not to me. It's not really a big deal. Like it's. It's not really a, an issue in the context of like the security of the network, right? Um, the issue comes in a place of like, you know, us wanting to add uh, Binance Smart Chain to the network, right? Or add new layer ones of that. That's where it becomes a problem because now uh, there's no space in the security to to allow us to, to add, you know, Binance Smart Chain or other layer ones, for example. So we got to do a little bit of work and, and kind of like uh, increase the um, um, increase the the security so that we can you know start adding Binance Smart Chain and other things to the network, which would be really good. Yeah, that's what I'm really bummed about, not being able to get BSC online because, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've been looking forward to, to BSC and like finally getting integration on the road, just like something else to ship with, with Trust Wallet. And, uh, you know, just something that there is like clear use for and like, you know, there there's there's a million blockchains that, that want like cross-chain bridges, but like uh, there's only, only a couple that actually do like significant volume cross chain bsc being one of them so i was like really looking forward to that but now it's looking now uh yeah it's looking like it just can't happen right now because there isn't enough security under the network to actually like uh seed pools and getting that going so that's just an unfortunate uh consequence of of this whole thing i was hoping that we'd uh we beat the clock on that but it didn't happen unfortunately so that was the only holdup on that, right? Just the just the hard cap, nothing else going on on the BSC side, or well, I'm not sure if there's like I, obviously I know like some node operators were having some issues uh, just running the BSC chain, and I like I don't know whether that has contributed at all towards like any of the the the, the Thor node problems that have been happening recently. It, it's it's all kind of I mean I don't know if Chad has like a better uh, perspective on that, but it it's also possible that the BSC chain just isn't that stable in, in the first place and is causing other issues. So like, what do you, have you noticed anything about that Chad? Yeah. I mean, I think um, for some people, right. If, if you're running your, your node on, on bare metal, right. And you're adding BSC, it's, it's going to be a significant amount of resources, both um, CPU and memory and, and also disk IO. Like reading or writing to the to the disk, um, and and that can have you know can affect the performance of other daemons on the on the same hardware, right? Like, and and that can cause that particular node to be like a little bit slower to, you know, um, observe transactions or assign transactions or something like this, and that could be a, a, a contributing factor to some of the some of the issues that we saw over the weekend, the last week or so. But I think actually what what might have been uh, a larger contribution to this that I think that I had initially had considered or thought of, and the thing we were, we were talking about in the last uh, few hours is that recently we made a change to the network that did this like um, best efforts attempt to recover funds that people sent to an inactive or an old retired vault, right? So if you send like some, you know, some Bitcoin to a vault that, you know, was around two weeks ago, but not around today. Historically speaking, your Bitcoin would be more or less burned, and and you wouldn't have access to it anymore. Because the network's not going to observe a, a vault that's not, you know, an active uh, Asgard vault. And so, 
um, I think the problem came to play is that um, we made this growth change to where it will continue to observe and just do refunds uh, to these older vaults. But I, we, I don't think I think I don't think I understood like how that can affect the performance of Bifrost because um, it has to do a lot of computations in order to like you know generate the addresses and it ended up being like you know possibly like hundreds of vaults possibly. I'm actually not sure what the exact numbers up my head, but like. It being a larger quantity of vaults than I than I originally expected it to be, and so all the additional addresses that we're like monitoring as a network is just causing more queries and more you know um, uh, uh, processing power to like to monitor those things, uh, and so that might be a contributing factor factor to the to the issues we've been seeing lately as well, and so we'll see. We're going to make some, some um, pro changes and a, and a new version of Thornton Nodes going to be coming out, which is one thirteen point one. Um, that will probably just do some optimization and performance improvements to kind of help alleviate some of these uh, these issues. Yeah, so not 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 directly related to to Binance Smart Chain, but um, yeah, people were like reporting issues about about BSC itself, but that that wasn't really contributing towards like you know whether the, whether you like go or, or no go. It's just it's just clear that like it, it doesn't make sense to launch it right now because there literally is no space under the hard cap security. But then yeah, what, what Chad's saying is also related to just the, the general like performance issues that, that have been happening. Like I've seen a lot of like key sign fails and just like issues that like haven't haven't been a problem recently. But yeah, I, I think it could easily be caused by that. I mean, if you think about it, you know. Three vaults times uh, however many, let's see, a, a churn every three days that generates three vaults going back two years. Like that's that's quite a lot of vaults that, that needs to be monitored. Uh, so totally makes sense like why it's so resource intensive. So hopefully all those problems can be ironed out soon. And then we can like get back on the uh, back on the horse of like just continuing to, to function like within in a timely manner of the network there's just been a lot of like delays and uh you know funds taking a while to to sign out like dogecoin swaps taking a, a long time bitcoin swaps uh taking a while like mempool things with the with, with doge and and bitcoin so like would be really nice to see it get back on on normal schedule yeah this is one of the funny things like I was just kind of thinking the day that like the mempool for Bitcoin is massive and Litecoin is pretty large and uh, Doge is pretty large. And I'm, I'm like, look at this and I'm thinking to myself, like, are we in a bear market? What's going on here? <laughs> it's it's DRC twenties. I know it's, it's a DRC twenties and DR, it is I'm like, it's just such a funny thing that like it's bear market, but yet the mempool is just like thrashed. <laughs> That's such a kind of like yeah. counterintuitive thing. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a bullish thing, really. Uh, like, I saw some other graph just about total active crypto wallets. I don't know where I, I'll have to find this again, but it was just like up and up and up and up. And I was like, damn, like, really? Even in these times, that's really uh, incredible to see. So now we just needed the price to come back. <laughs> I'm very curious about this particular bear market just because we we got here in unusual circumstances, not through the normal, like, crypto um, blow up tops and all this kind of stuff. We got we got here kind of like prematurely in a sense, and so like maybe the the bear market is not fully really like a bear market in, in the traditional sense of crypto, but rather just like people are still there, people are still trading, people are still interested, people are still engaged in some regard. 
um, they're just like waiting for something to kind of like re kick off and, and the the bear market again. What are your like just broad thoughts on these last couple of weeks? Uh, I don't know. Like, how are you? How are you staying sane? What are you? What are you thinking about? What do you mean, like in terms of like crypto or in terms of Thorchain? Or like, what do you, what do you... Oh, I meant I meant broader, like just all of crypto. Like, it's just kind of a wild time once again that we're just like not not just talking price, but just like all this re- regulatory stuff. And I'm, I'm sure that got you worked up and, and thinking about stuff. <laughs> um yeah i mean i should probably not make any comments about regulatory stuff <laughs> that would be the smarter move for me but um i think in general um i always tend to stay focused on what what's happening what like what, get rid of people are you know um understandably reactive to you know prices and market situations and that kind of stuff um, but I always say, just kind of stay true to like, uh, what are we shipping? What are we doing? What's, what is the, what is the actual fundamental value of things? Is that value going up or is that value going down? You know, and for Thorchain specifically, that value is, is, is still going up quite significantly. Um, and in the market in general, I think it's, there's a lot of like things happening outside of Thorchain in the, in the, in the crypto markets that are like kind of interesting stuff. Like you, you saw V4 where it's like, it was announced the other day, for example, right. That could be a really interesting thing. Um, so like, there's a kind of a disconnect in my mind between um, the sentiment and the fundamentals, right? The sentiment doesn't really match the fundamentals in, in my mind. So uh, because of that, I, I kind of, for the most part, shrug off, you know, the sentiment for, because it's just, it's just what people do. Like, like I feel like crypto especially is, is very overreactive to news like when something really, when something good happens, people are like blow it out of proportion. And if something that's like bad happens, they blow it out of proportion, like down the downward, you know, motion. So it's just like people are just very reactive and emotional and reactive to the things that happen in the market. So um, Binance being kind of like sued by SEC and uh, Coinbase uh, as well. It's, it's it's shocking, but also not shocking at the same time. It's kind of like it's predictable, but still kind of surprises you when it happens. You know what I mean? Um, I'll say that, like, I think uh, Gary Gensler is, you know, doing what the hell he wants without any real, like, thought about it. But to me, it doesn't seem like it's very, not very thoughtful, right? Just, um, he's not making an argument or, or adding any kind of clarity of what is or is not a security. He's just saying this is a security and this is not a security. And he even has some, some, you know, silly comments that he, he that he the report kind of referenced about some statements that Anatoly had said or whatever. It's just like it's just a very weak argument, if you ask me. It's just it's really kind of uh, a, yeah. There's just no way to put it. Like it's just, it's just a very weak argument about what this is and why it is a security, why it classifies or uh, um, as a security or not. It's just it's just nonsense, if you ask me. Yeah, totally agree. And it's largely just distraction from what's actually going on and like the stuff that we're building. And, I mean, at least to me, it, it makes just makes it more clear that like what, what we're doing is actually important and bringing like true, you know, 
true decentralized exchange to to the market and just like continuing to iterate on top of that and like really building this layer where people can move across chains it I, like obviously like you know it's been kind of hammered home over the past couple of weeks but uh you know i think anything anything that comes out of that end of things uh, just makes it more clear that what we're doing is like not not only uh important but you know necessary to to happen um like if binance.us becomes a crypto only exchange i think that that kind of validates everything that that we're doing here not not that it's not validated already but it just adds further validation to uh to that whole premise of being a you know a crypto only exchange yeah, I mean, it, obviously, this this whole um, SC thing should like make it even more clear of why we need something like a Thor chain in the industry. Like, if we're going to rely solely on Binance to be, to get us cross chain, like that's obviously not a good thing. <laughs> that's very clear. And honestly, like I I I don't understand why projects, uh, and I don't want to mention specific ones, but like I don't understand if you are one of those projects that got you know label that as the from the SEC as a security or whatever the hell it is and got delisted from exchanges or whatever the hell it might be like it you're being you're literally being smacked in the face with Thorchain. <laughs> like it should be so blatantly obvious what you need to do as a project is to to run not walk towards Thorchain and a lot and ha, uh, and and have your users and your volume being passing through an exchange like Thorchain. Like that should be like blatantly fucking obvious. Like if it's not, I don't know what to tell you. Like get your head checked at this point, you know. Totally, yeah. At each time one of these things happens, like I feel like in our circle, the first reaction is to be like excited for Thorchain. <laughs> like when, when FTX blew up, it's like, oh my god, like is this time for for Thorchain to shine? And like it is, and it isn't. It's like people still haven't fully like had the the rug ripped out from under all the other things to, to be left with. Uh, yeah. Like who knows what it'll, it'll take, but I mean, so many things are, are being built and pushed and like integrations and all that. So like, you know, it's happening, whether it's fast or slow, it's happening. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, one exciting thing like related to that chat is, uh, I mean, Trust Wallet, like this this last week, um, finally got all the different swap routes into Trust Wallet. So we're we're like finally officially powering all of the cross chain swap routes that um, that's supported by Thorchain, minus Rune actually, which uh, which we need to to get going and like some ERC twenties and, and things. But we we have right right now we have every single major network that that Thorchain supports is now supported in trust wallet ios and android to be able to swap um they also don't charge an affiliate fee by the way so it's pretty much the cheapest place where you can swap um you know anywhere that's like Thorchain Thorchain roots and uh yeah powering like like thousands and thousands of swaps going through uh trust wallet it's it's the highest like volume uh interface that that that's a uh, uh, Thorchain like powered interface so just like I don't know there's just the things that I think about when it's like when it's when everyone's like talking about like oh you know prices down like this or that it's like you know we actually have real real users and like real interfaces that uh that, that use like our valuable services yeah the the funny thing with that is that like 
<laughs> that it's still like the biggest trader, one of the biggest traders of room, even though it doesn't. <laughs> it's so funny to me because they're still like causing a lot of trade volume for the rune asset, even though, yeah, you said what you said about tra trading room directly. <laughs> yeah. Have you watched the stats, Cow? Like, have you have you seen the the trust swap stats since that update? Is there like a noticeable uptick? Uh, yes. There's like, wait, let me pull this up right now. There's like a huge tail. So like, there, there's a graph here which shows like the the different swap pairs that that are like going through. And so like, obviously, Bitcoin's been paused for a little while. So this is not like what it would be normally. But the highest swap. So this is for the past week. Over the past seven days, we've seen about. 750 swaps between BNB and ETH, uh, about 500 between BNB and, uh, sorry, between Bitcoin and ETH, uh, and then like 150 between BNB and BTC, and then there's like a huge tail of assets now, of people like swapping like Doge to to Litecoin or like Bitcoin Cash to Atom or or whatever. Like there's there's a very large variety of swaps, and there's like there's a big concentration in like the, the major ones, which is like between BNB, ETH, and um and Bitcoin. Um, Litecoin is also up there too in in terms of like what people are actually swapping, which is like a little bit surprising to me. And it just kind of just goes down the list of just like a bunch of different routes that that people are actually using to swap. So it's just more and more pairs that are that are supported, and so just more and more things that that people can do. So like in the past seven days, um, how many swaps have we seen in the past seven days? That's a little over two thousand swaps in the past seven days, and that is on. That's iOS only. So um, th there's a separate affiliate that they use for for Android. But yeah, I mean, Trust Wallet is always, always looking pretty fresh. It's it also like they do it in a software update where you have to update the app on your phone. So for like not everybody updates their you know apps like every day or whatever. Some people do it like every week or two weeks. So I wouldn't take the current numbers all that seriously personally just because I think there's a lot more you know, people kind of uh, coming in to, to, to increase that swap volume. Yeah, yeah. If you're on an old version, then this this wouldn't appear. So it is only on the latest version, which I believe only got, it got pushed less than a week ago. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely not the full uh, brunt of, of people swapping. Right, right. But exciting because it's like that. that's just a huge, like, uh like area of users where you know people are just like people are just making the swaps and like they, they don't need to know or care where where it goes and we see big swaps coming through like pretty much every single day uh and i've been seeing like big outbounds coming from door swap and coming from trust wallet like you know real people making like real big swaps yeah i'm excited when when streaming swaps gets launched uh hopefully soon and and we can start seeing like massive swaps being pushed through Thor chain. What's the latest on that front? Any updates or new thoughts? Um, I think um, hopefully the the code to support uh, streaming swaps, like a basic form of it. Like I don't, I think the first version it will probably be very like focused and narrowly scoped, um, just to kind of get something up the value prop like out there quicker. Um, that'll probably be in the next like major 
version, like one one fourteen, for example, maybe one fifteen, possibly. Um, and then at that point, it just becomes a little bit of testing. It should be pretty quick and easy to to to, to launch that feature, I think. Um, but I think we should be just you know a few weeks or maybe a month away from it. I think. Yeah, because I mean, it looks like at this point, so we can't launch BNB because that's just kind of off the table with, uh, with this the hard security cap. Uh, lending, there's still analysis being done on lending by Block Science, who's been doing a lot of a lot of work behind the scenes to uh, just do some modeling around lending and just like they, they they're, they're doing a lot, especially like playing out the different like risk scenarios and just like making it very clear and obvious, like you know what what the failure cases are like you know, what are like good positions to be in, what are bad positions to be in. Like it's, it's very uh, comprehensive what they're doing and it's, they're, they're still in the middle of it. Yep, absolutely. Um, I think lending probably won't be launched for, you know, maybe a month from, from now just because um, uh, we wanted to give uh, block science more time to do more modeling and, 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 and validation and blah, blah, blah. Um, and document and also very importantly like documentation of like documenting uh from, from a third party perspective of like where are the failure cases where are the you know uh risk fit like factors what are these what are, and it's just so everybody we release a document that's very clear and concise and uh everybody can read it and understand what it is what it's not what's expected what's not expected so forth and so on um so yeah, lending probably won't happen for for a little for a little while, but hopefully we can, before that lands, we can get you get streaming swaps kind of snuck in. Awesome, yeah, that'll be huge. Hey guys, thanks for adding me. Um, haven't been here in probably six seven months, so I'm kind of out of the loop. But uh, it's depressing times right now. Um, but I had a couple questions. I've been in the Rune BOSD LP for like a long time. And I noticed lately the, I, well, first off, I guess the, the ads have been frozen. Did that happen recently? Or I, I guess I must've missed Yeah. That. So we were just talking about that. That's the hard cap of liquidity on okay. the network. So yeah, it's, it's, you can't add, add liquidity or savers, uh, what, like while the hard cap is hit. Okay. Got it. Is that, is there like a timeline on when that might change or so it, it, that's a function of the rune price essentially and how much right. is in the bond. So uh, either, either rent price needs to go up or the bond mm -hmm. needs to increase relative to liquidity. Okay. So, but it's weird because when you go on Thor, and I'm sure you just talked about it, so sorry if I'm beating a dead horse, but when oh, yeah, you go on so, Thor swap and you look to, to withdraw, it's showing like 0% of the pool. So when you go on Thor swap, it... Uh, um, there's some kind of thing. So we, we did we did some checks to make sure that that there was uh, like some some messages that were shown when you go to add liquidity or to add to savers mm -hmm. and, and, or things like that. But I don't, that shouldn't affect anything like withdraw. Like you, you could still yeah. withdraw or, or anything. Okay. You know, that's not a problem. Yeah. No, tracking tracking your position really... and withdrawing should be totally fine. If there's any issue on that front, uh, definitely just ping uh, support in ThorSwap Discord okay. and somebody will get you helped well, out yeah, with that. It might have been like a glitchy thing because it was showing like X amount of uh, units, but then it was showing zero. Like it used to show X, whatever X percent of the pool that you had, but it was showing zero, uh, which was weird. I didn't actually try to go through with withdrawing it, but. I figured it was fine. I just was wondering if that's like standard. Um, but okay. Anyway. And I mean, the other thing too is I'm sure it's just market dynamics. I'm not like a full on expert with LP 
um, structure and like how it works, just the bare bones. But I was definitely noticing that it wasn't, you know, generally, and I guess it's probably a function of low volumes and low swap volumes and things like that. But LP units were definitely not rising with rune dropping as much as maybe in the past it has, or as much as I would have thought. Is that just basically market dynamics or is there an explanation that, that I'm missing on that? L- LP units is generally a factor of like people adding liquidity, withdrawing liquidity. That's what, that's what causes the LP units to either increase or decrease the price of rune or whatever. Price of asset is like those things have no relationship or a swap volume okay. has no relationship to that. Okay. So basically no one can add liquidity. So that's the answer. Basically, yeah. I mean, okay. if, you, if you if you withdraw your liquidity, you'll you'll decrease the the LP units of the pool. But LP units like are, don't, aren't really meaningful of much at all. It's just a way for the network to mathematically calculate, you know, how much you owe, owe and how much of the how much of the value you get without doing huge computational resources. Like Osmosis, for example, doesn't really do it the same way we do it, and so they they do like they pay out people like once a day. Right, but the math, mm-hmm. the mathematics of how we do LP units allows just do a continuous thing without, um, you know, a lot of processing power. Yeah, I guess I, I guess the thing that was weird. I mean, again, it might just be me being a layman. Was that when call it when you know we had a little mini altcoin season or whatever, um, three four months ago. I don't even know the exact time frame, but uh, you guys know years ago. It, it, no, I'm talking about like when Rune did, had like a, a, all altcoins had a mini run kind of recently, and it seemed like LP my LP units were dropping during that time. Um, which I believe your LP units stay static. I don't believe you gain or lose LP units. It's just how many LP units you have in relation to the, the total pool depth. Yeah, like so I don't I think guess, you you just yeah, dynamically gain or lose LP units. Hmm. Okay, maybe I'm using the wrong terminology. Yeah, LP units are static for for an LP unless you add a withdraw. Uh, uh, savers units, which is basically an LP unit that's like designated by the protocol for the savers people and synthetics, that can dynamically change because of price movements. Maybe but I'm talking units... of the amount of actual rune because, like, I added rune uh, single side. Oh yes, um, yes, yeah. So I was kind of framing yeah. the question wrong, I guess. My, the uh, so it's an as- asymmetric. Is rising. Yeah, asymmetric, right? right. Yeah, yeah, that that's right. Like, Rune's price uh, performing well or poorly against the asset will change the the number. What what gets you to either exp, exp, to experience a permanent uh, uh, IL permanent loss? And so, if you, if your Rune's price falls relative to asset, you have a permanent loss in that scenario, and and you know you, you don't take another loss. If Rune goes up, uh, you'll also experience some permanent permanent loss, but because rune's price is going up and because of how dual LPs work and with uh, synthetics and all this kind of stuff, you actually, um, I guess it depends on the situation, but you, you might get, you actually might gain in value in that scenario, even though you lost a little bit from, from IL. Depends on the situation and how many cents there are. Yeah. So in this specific situation, like if rune's price is going up and you're in a single sided, you're in an asymmetric LP with just rune, you're you're selling rune as rune price goes up. So as the rune price goes up, you have less rune in your position, if that makes sense. Because LP always it always sells the stronger asset and buys the weaker asset. So when you're when if rune price is moving up, then it, it's it's selling that rune for BUSD if you're in the rune BUSD pool. Uh, so that that's pretty much what that, like that that's what happens in when you're in an in LP essentially on on any AMM. 
if the price of that asset is going up, then you're selling it for the other asset. That makes sense. Right, right. I also have Zervo requesting to come up. Hey, Zervo. Yeah, hey, can you guys hear me? Oh, he left. Hey, what's up, Zervo? Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, sorry to switch the argument. I mean, not the argument, but the conversation from LP to um, Trust Wallet. So I've always been curious about that, like relationship. It was a huge, like, in my opinion, like a good partnership. You know, they're like, obviously, we all know that they have a, a lot of users. Um, and I'm just wondering if they ever gave you guys any feedback, like how the integration or um, how the, uh, what what their user feedback is, is, is showing? Because I'm just like, they have 5 million users and the swaps are pretty good, right? But I'm wondering, like, why, you know, what, you know, how to get more? Why are their users are not swapping more, right? Or they, they're not aware of it? Is it like a like a learning, like a, a training issue or something like that um, for these mobile users? Have they gotten any feedback of like any kind of like uh, stats or whatever, like behind um, them, uh, people, normal users doing swaps and what their experiences are and what needs to be improved or or they're happy with it and just curious to hear what they, what they think about it. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some stuff. Uh, so like, I don't think they collect any direct feedback about it. Like, I don't think there's like a, you know, rate your swap experience thing. Uh, although I think that's a, a good idea and something that they should do. Uh, but I don't think they've collected direct feedback like that, but I have seen like things on Twitter and uh, like, you know, talk to their, their team like quite a bit, obviously. Uh, and like they, they had, they're very like tight knit, like internal group kind of like, you know, finance type, uh, type organization that's like, you know, very like tight to themselves, I, I would say. But um, they, they, they haven't really provided any like negative feedback around anything that we're doing. Like they're, they're super excited to like get things online, get things rolling and just like see swaps come through. It's been a, it's been very good from them. As far as like letting more users know, I did, I did make a tweet yesterday about, uh, about some marketing and like, you know, I can't, I can't like say too much right now, but that's, that's something that I, I feel that I'm very, very close on. And like, so there's been some stuff in, stuff in the works to like make sure more of more, more users in general know, and definitely more like trust wallet users making their first swap and doing some swaps. Like that's something that like I've been like directly, directly working on and something that I'm like, we're like right on the precipice being able to do it. Uh, we just need Bitcoin to like hold out a little bit longer. The, 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 the uh, pauses that over the past couple of weeks have been some challenges. And like, obviously there's nothing we can really do if like we're trying to do like a campaign or something like that. And like Bitcoin goes down, like it's definitely not a good, good look for us. So like yeah is that like nodes were not upgrading or something like that i just didn't understand why it was paused or, or in that and maybe i i got in late and i don't know if you guys covered it or not and i'm just wondering if what, what was up yeah so um so basically there was like a bug in the code that was probably introduced um like shortly after the terra collapse happened so a little like about a year ago and there was a the bug that was introduced and, and like it was just sitting there kind of dormant in the code. And then we got into some extreme scenarios with Bitcoin because of, you know, the mempool being huge and blah, 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 and all these things happening along with, you know, Binance Smart Chain. Damons are running on 
bare metal boxes cause them to be maybe a little bit slower. Plus the inactive volts thing I mentioned at the beginning of the conversation. Like there's like a like, like a plethora of things that all kind of hit simultaneously that just caused this bug to like show itself. You know, that normally would never even get to the case where it would even be an issue. And so once that happened, we realized, oh, hey, there's an issue with how we're you know how we're managing gas for rescheduled transactions, blah blah blah. And like you know, we can fix it and carry, and we've already fixed it. It's already, it's already in one one twelve, we believe, and like starting to solve and fix whatever. Uh, and so that's the reason why, because we we don't want to you know um, cause nodes to get slashed you know inappropriately, and so we wanted to make sure we have Bitcoin pause, fix the issue, and then go ahead and resume it, which is what we've already done. So like that's the reason why it's because we just had some uh, a, a kind of a latent bug that's kind of sitting in the code that we weren't aware of until we got into an extreme situation where it actually pushed on that bug in a matter of speaking. Oh, so it's not it's not paused anymore than unless I mis I misunderstood or anything. Nope, like that. we're live. Uh, okay, great. Um, hey, hey, good job, guys. And I was just like the last the last question I had was like related to um you know I'm super excited about that loan um you know loans is like really exciting um. And is that going to be, uh, if someone wants to just take a loan, is that going to be like, you have to go through the ThorChain site and do it? Or is that going to be through like, you know, different, like uh, different, you know, um, portals like, you know, Trust Wallet or like ThorSwap or, you know, Thor Wallet? And, um, what's the idea behind that? Um, yeah, with, with, with all ThorChain capabilities and features and that kind of stuff, it's nothing specific to, to like going to any kind of ThorChain site. It's just about UI just supporting the feature or not, right? In the end, like you don't even necessarily even need, um, you know, uh, a UI. Like te technically, all you you can just sign the transaction, like by hand. Literally, you can literally do that if you really wanted to. I wouldn't recommend it because would be quite difficult. But like, just sign a transaction on Bitcoin. That's the only thing you, have, you actually have to do. Like that's the only requirement here. So like anybody, any wall that's willing to sign that transaction for you or make it easy for you to accomplish that task you know it's, it's fine by me so i think um we probably won't see huge adoption in in uis like trust wallet for example in the beginning um we wanted to do like a, a kind of a soft launch of blending first you know kind of test it test of the waters make sure there's no you know issues or bugs whatever uh before we kind of like start pushing it harder i know like ThorSwap has already got their ui ready to go so probably when we launch uh blending ThorSwap will be probably one of the first uis and um to to support it for sure but um it, it'll be a slow ramp up i think uh with getting more uis and such to to utilize it ideally i would love to see this being like happen like even within sex you know um such as exchanges supporting this lending concept right and, and offering the service possibly that'd be crazy yeah. yeah i know lens and shapeshift are also interested in uh, doing front ends for, for lending so that you can expect those pretty much out, out of the gate as well. Great. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Yep, no worries. Yo, Fimblo. Hey, guys. I, it, was, it was great to see uh, Trust Wallet support AVAX and Doge and the others. Just curious, and, and sorry if you mentioned it already, but um, do you know if they have any plans to support swaps to and from Native Rune? Yeah, we're trying to get them to do that next. We're we're uh, sometimes it's a cat herding process, you know. You know what I mean. So it, it <laughs> yeah, we're we're working on it. They're working on ERC twenties and and things. So uh, 
yeah, we should definitely, I, I, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. We, we won't rest until we see uh, rune swaps on, on Trust Wallet. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, they're a big wallet and they got a lot of things going on. And, you know, so I, I get they're they're uh, um they're being a, a bit slow in the uptake but like i totally get it like i don't necessarily blame them or whatever like it, it makes sense to a certain extent so we just, we just have to be patient in this community yeah exactly like especially when you're talking about a wallet that serves tens of millions of users like like trust does they are very slow to as they should be and cautious to deploy uh deploy new things test things uh you know we're not we're not in any rush to get this thing like you know feature complete. I'm not that not that we're not in any rush, but uh, you know we're definitely not like rushing them to make to just ship ship ship. Um, you know we want to make sure that things are like tested thoroughly and that they're comfortable with everything that they're doing. And uh, so far, it's just been great feedback from them. So we're, we're like we're really happy to see uh, all the all the roots go live on on trust. And yeah, hopefully we can bring it to some more users soon and really get get the word out there that uh, you know you can you can do all these kinds of swaps. So I would look out. You know, hopefully we can we can get that going in the next uh, next couple of weeks. Um, we have some some good plans on that. The one thing we talk about um, is um, saver yield. You want to talk about Kyle? Yes, saver yield. So I believe what is being, well, what just passed the vote actually is a, uh, it's, it's a sliding saver yield. So in the past, saver yield is 50% of the, the, the total yield going to that pool, I believe. So um, th- this would essentially bring down saver's yield. And Reason for that being synth utilization is, you know, is greater than 50% of the of the pools. And we're also at the hard cap. So POL can't deposit into the into the pools themselves. So, uh, yeah, so basically what needs to be done is since we can't, I, liquidity can't be added to the network. Like we, we can't continue to like incentivize people to deposit in savers because it's not even possible to deposit in savers. So what just passed is a, a sliding curve where the the network changes the amount, the, like the ratio of the um, of the total liquidity fees, how much it gives to savers and how much it gives to LPs. So I believe at fifty percent synth utilization, it gives like half of what it currently does. I believe I'm not exactly sure on the exact numbers of this, but I, I believe it should see at least a fifty percent decrease in the the yield for savers. Since we're at at, uh, at or above the fifty percent synth utilization mark, Chad, say that again. I believe that we should see a fifty fifty percent decrease in the savers utilization for like Bitcoin, for example, because we're at the fifty percent mark, and maybe and lower than that for pools that are very low uh, synth utilization, like Doge or BNB. Yeah, I, b- I believe that's true. I think uh, in the current like. Mamiers, it is like uh, tweakable, right? We got a couple of levers we can pull on to, to push it up or push it down, right? So we have the ability to, to fluctuate or not fluctuate the wrong term, but uh, the ability to to adjust as we need to as as, as we, we want to on the, on the on the protocol. But I think that's what its starting position is probably going to be. Yeah, and 
I mean, this is something we did kind of discuss last week and nothing that like has come to come to be from like a protocol perspective, but um, yeah. Did, what, are you, what are your thoughts about uh, incentive pendulum and like moving that to be in line with the hard cap? Because I, like, I don't know, like at, at least like from, from my like understanding of things. And re- this is really one of the things that impressed me about Thorchain when I first learned about it is, is like this whole mechanism that really defines the relationship between security and liquidity, which is the incentive pendulum, you know, changing where it gives rewards based on like where it's needed. And, you know, right now I think there's a, a share factor of like 33% going to the LPs, uh, even though we're at the security hard cap, right? So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure whether we're th- that was going to go to uh, go to like a vote or an ADR on you know whether we're going to move to uh, change the incentive pendulum to go off the effective security rather than like the total security of the network, uh, or like if you've had any other discussions about that. Yeah. Um, so. Um... Well, let's, let's touch upon savers first, then we'll touch upon this yeah, concept. Sure. Um, so when this goes live, it's not live yet, by the way. First of all, it's it passed a, a kind of a, um, a symbolic vote within the node operators, and so it'll probably go live um, this week at some point, or within the next week or so. But um, the, the the potential issue here, if if, if you ask me, uh, is that if you get uh, uh, savers to leave then that creates an effect of sell pressure on their own asset, right? So if people are withdrawing one asset or withdrawing the Bitcoin, which means you, people are, you know, trading and dumping, dumping the room. So like, um, so I'm worried about that aspect to it, right? About like, does, is this going to create more of an exodus of savers than we want to see? And then, and by extension of that, create a um, larger degree of uh, ruin sell pressure than we want to see. That's, that's one thing, right? Uh, that will also cause the um, the uh, TVL to 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 drop some, which I think is not necessarily a bad thing right now because we, we wanted to add buying smart chain and all this kind of stuff. But um, that's the first part, and the second part is it, it's, it's similar to that is what you were just saying about um, adjusting the um, the uh, um, the pendulum. Like doing that right now may may not be the best time to do it. Although I'm not necessarily against the concept of doing it, I'm just more or less saying like getting LPs to leave now in a time when a, you know, ILP is quite high, right? And so like we would just you know we would tell a bunch of LPs to get get the hell out, pay them you know a good amount of rune and IL, and then possibly maybe they maybe some of them decide to, to sell their rune instead of just holding the network there you know, they had a bad experience maybe or whatever the hell it might be. And they might get, maybe they're a little bit salty about, you know, getting their yield, uh, you know, change underneath them, whatever it is. And then, and then, you know, having that kind of a reaction to it. So like, that's, that's why I'm thinking that like changing the pendulum at this stage at this moment is probably not the best time to do it. The best time to do it is at like the top of the top of the bowl, right? Is if we, if we could magically wave a wand and pick when we want to do it. So, my opinion, we should probably hold off on that, on, on making those kind of pendulum changes, if you ask me. Gotcha. Yeah, I just I, I just find it difficult to, like, come to reason about this, like, in my own head, just about, like, because I, 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 I totally understand your point. But at the same time, like, if, if the network stands is that it's, there's no more space for... Uh, 
for additional liquidity, then there's no space for additional liquidity. And it's continuing to, to pay out rewards seems like that encourages liquidity. And it, like, at least from my initial understanding of just the whole mechanism, it, it, it always seemed to me that, you know, that, that was the stance of the network where if it's, if it's under secured, then you need to over, you need to then shift the, uh, you need to shift the balance to become more, more balanced. Right. Yeah. And, and that's true to be fair. Um, I mean, right now, node operators are making what, I think that's like what 15% something like this is their APY right now or something like that. So then the question becomes like, if you, if you give nodes like 20% instead of 15%, would that, how much of that shift the amount of bonded ruin in the network, you know? And that's that's a hard you know thing to, to well, well d- directly it pays the re- it pays ruin from the reserve directly into the into the bonds and it directly increases the amount of of ruin that is uh, in the bond module. That's true. No, that's that's fair. And that's true. the The amount is probably not significant enough to the numbers we want to see. Yeah, happen, like but... probably like thirty thirty k ruin a day. Like it, it's not. You're right. It, it would take a very long time to actually like get to uh, you know any kind of significant numbers there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's definitely an interesting topic and something that the community can definitely have a debate and discussion over. Um, I think for right now, there's, there's a lot of things in flight or like a lot of things happening, and, and we don't want to overload people with like we're changing ten things at once, right? <laughs> let's let's not. We can we can slow down the cadence a little bit. Maybe maybe we've been shipping too much, <laughs> having too many like we're shipping too many features, shipping like, too many like changes to the protocol like it's, it's a lot for people to, to, to follow i guess which i totally understand if that's the case i think for right now i think we should just uh focus on the most important things and and um and but eventually get to all these things and, and either do something or don't do something voted on by the community Yeah, so about the saver's yield, is that like the the final solution that you'd like to see for the saver's yield, or I, I think you're advocating for for something something different, or uh, yeah, just do you, do you think that's the just the best way to accomplish like what we need to? Um, I mean, I personally, I'm not a fan of the change of the to saver's yield. Um, I think that the the problem that I have with it is that it's trying to solve an issue, right, which is we're having too many synths in the network relative to what we want to have. And its its solution is not um, economically aligned to the problem. It's, it's economically aligned to something else, which is some yield between LPs and savers and some balance between those two individuals based upon how much risk and reward savers want and how much risk and reward LPs want and what is the kind of like the optimum thing between those two people those two class people that's detached from the actual problem we're trying to solve, which is how much sense exists in the network, right. For the network's benefit, which means deeper pools. Right. So because it's not actually aligned to the problem, uh, it's just solving it through some other mechanism. Um, it's probably either going to uh, under solve the issue under correct the issue, or it's going to overcorrect the issue. One of those two things. Uh, which one? I don't really know. We'll find out. You know, either either savers are sleepy, and you know we cut their yield in half because of this this vote that just happened, and they don't even notice, and they don't even care, and they don't even leave, right? Or 
everybody's paying attention, savers are paying attention, and they, they, and they think that new yield is not good enough to warrant the protocol risk of the protocol holding their Bitcoin, possibly, or whatever their own calculus is to determine whether or not they keep their Bitcoin in there or not. Uh, or they don't want to pay the, the fees to leave, or they mind paying the fees, or they don't mind paying the fees, whatever it might be. Uh, we'll find out through the market of what how reactive the market is to this kind of yield change for savers. If you're a dual side LP, like this is a good thing for you. Like you just it's money, it's extra money for you in your pocket, more yield for you. So, you know, stick around. Um, but uh, that's my fear, right? About doing this, the the proposal that I kind of proposed to the team on this regard was was instead of doing a, a curve like of a, a, a savers, it's being a cliff system. So once the yield got above 50% since utilization, yield goes to zero. And once it goes 50% or less, it goes back to 50%. And it's kind of it's more immediate because that's, the economics would align with what the problem is, what we're trying to achieve. Like we want there to be 50% since like that's creates a deeper pool. A deeper pool means lower fees, lower fees means more trade volume. Like we've, we've seen this, right? We don't want to have 20% since utilization. Ideally we want more. Right, we, we want the pool to be as deep as possible to, to guard the largest amount of swaps as possible. Right, um, that's my feeling on it, and so I'm a little bit nervous about this change personally, and I'm concerned about it being either underreactive or overreactive to the issue. But maybe I'm wrong. I certainly am happy to admit. Uh, I hope I'm wrong on this case. Yeah, I mean, how do you, how do you wrestle with the fact that obviously we want more liquidity, but we also have hard cap and a limit to how much we can actually have on the network. So like that that's just where things get a little difficult and hazy for me, just like looking at the path forward. So like, yeah, what, what are your thoughts? Well, like so, the pendulum, the entire pendulum that it is now, is just trying to balance between uh, you know nodes and L and and. LPs, let's call savers an LP because that's they are liquid provider for the network, right? That's the balance is trying to strike between those two things, and that's not that's not that's not changed really, other than um, the pendulum being operating up for a different over the max TBL, which we were just talking about a moment ago. But um, savers, like I, it doesn't really matter from the network's perspective of like of that pendulum, whether it's 90% savers, 10% savers or anything in between, like in the end, from this perspective, it's just trying to achieve a balance between nodes and people who are providing liquidity into the pools. Right. Um, had, adding a secondary incentive pendulum detaches from that pendulum's purpose and it's achieving a new balance between two different characters. The first one being the first pendulum is about node operators and uh, and or more accurately, bond providers and people who are providing liquidity into the pools. And the second one is doing between people who are dual sided, people who are single sided, savers versus LPs. And that second one is just it's not really um, aligned with with growing the pools necessarily. It's just aligned with having a balance between two two like types of users and you know how much they provide how much reward they get for the risk that they're taking and so forth and so on that's not necessarily a bad thing though like you know that that thing but it's not aligned with what the first pendulum is trying to accomplish which is to maximize deep security and deep pools
Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, totally understood. Just figuring out how to actually grow the uh, grow the pools like dual sided is like kind of the the crux of the issue. Then, well, we we um, all the all the network really wants is to make sure that dual side are fifty percent or more uh, of the liquidity in that particular pool, right? Within that, within that context, growing the actual total amount of liquidity in the pool, that is a different topic or, or a different, you know, uh, angle of, of, of conversation. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. How, how do we grow, how do we grow? How do we get deeper pools? Like, I, I mean, I would love to see the TVL of Fortune to be, you know, a billion, billion plus or multi billions in our pools. And I think we'll get there eventually, to be honest with you. But um, but how we accomplish that is not the conversation about how much savers yield can getting versus LP yield. That's not going to get us to a, to a, you know, a billion TVL. Right. I don't think, I, I don't think that's going to accomplish that by itself. Uh, we need something more, we need, we need more, more things fighting in that direction than just, you know, twiddling with saber yield. It, it has to be um, things like lending. It has to be things like streaming swaps things that like really provide significant value and would drive value into those pools in, in a meaningful way. Who's on the other side? Just curious. Like, I would love to hear like the other arguments, you know, like uh, for it, because it sounds like, I mean, it already passed. Right. Um, yet then hearing kind of like the case against it is interesting. So I don't know. It'd be interesting to hear like a, hear both sides. Yeah, well, I mean, I could, I could like give an argument for the case for it. I mean, the case for it is that we that something needs to be done about the savers yield, and this is like a a simple solution that like uh, like maybe it's not the you know the best solution for this this problem, but it is a, like a potential solution for this problem, and like you know, uh, I I think it definitely needs to be monitored, like whether this is like the right solution or not, and we can adjust as necessary. But I I think this is this is something to like get out there. It's something that seems like a reasonable fix to the problem and, uh, you know, does attempt to solve for the, for the, pro for the issue of too many synths in pool need to, need to lower the amount of synths in the pool. Uh, and like, you know, we, then we can, we can monitor and, and, and see, you know, whether, whether it works, whether it doesn't, and then adjust as necessary. But I think this is just that it's originally started as something that's like, okay, yeah, this seems like a reasonable solution. Let's, 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 uh, get it in and get it get it merged and get a vote on as quickly as quickly as possible but it also it isn't it's not like it's a it's a bad I, like i wouldn't call it like a bad or like a, a rushed solution i i just think that it was uh you know what what are the, the the early ideas to to make this happen and it it could evolve into into something else if this like turns out to either under or overcorrect Yeah, we should we should as a community we should be monitoring that and and asking ourselves is this is this correcting the problem we're trying to correct is this creating new issues we don't want to be dealing with so forth and so on and and, and adjust accordingly right and it's okay to get things it's okay to make mistakes sometimes right to be fair like we're all humans we all you know uh, even the node operators are all human as well right what they, what they vote on they might get things wrong from time to time it's just a natural thing of just humanity. So, but the important thing is that we, you know, we don't put our heads in the sand and just kind of ignore facts and reality and, you know, 
what's actually happening and we say we be honest with ourselves and honest with the community about like this is working or this is not working and what do we want to do about it yeah what did you think about my idea of uh basically look so like when when we when there's too many savers or aka when there's too many when there's too many synths in a pool uh basically giving back the the saver that is in the highest percent like that has proportionally the highest amount of profit in that savers pool uh basically cashing them out and giving them their initial capital back like i'm curious to hear what you actually thought about that idea um because it seems to, to me like it seems like a fairly equitable way to to not to to moderate the amount of synths that are in the pool while keeping with the the basic promise of synths uh being like this you know no, no il single-sided um product so it doesn't break the premise of of savers at all but it, it it creates an equitable way where we can have a mechanism to decrease the total number of synths but without like a lot of the downsides of like either decreasing yields or uh you know, doing like other things that could like affect, uh, you know, people's perceptions of like what the pool is or like what, what they thought it, it, it changing as they deposited. Uh, yeah, I'm curious to hear what you guys think about that. I mean, I like it to be honest with you. Like, I, I think that would be a, would have been a better solution to this problem than what um, going creating another pendulum on top of a pendulum. Um, just because. Um, one, it doesn't get people to leave prematurely or, or like, or, or in a way we, we want there to be deep pools, right? And two is it doesn't require the savers people to correct the problem when there is a problem. The network will correct its own problem on its own behalf when it needs to, right? Rather than just like relying on somebody to say, oh, hey, the yield's low and okay, I'm going to go ahead and pay fees to leave now and, and go through that process. It's better for the network if the network's able to handle itself, right? Not rather than asking nodes to handle it for them. So I would, I personally rather, much rather do that than what we're uh, doing now, personally. But that's just my two cents. Wait, just to clarify, you're saying the like the saver with the largest pool share would essentially just be like kicked out, but then it sure. affects very yeah. few people. So, so my idea, so this is just my idea on like how to, like another method to solve this problem of pro problem being too many saver, too many synths in the pool, synths being the largest, largest utilizer of savers. So the idea it, uh, that of mine, which is like, like, I don't know whether people support this or not. This is just my random idea that uh, you, you find the, there, there will be one saver that is the highest PNL, like the, the, the highest percent gain over what they initially deposited. And then that, that person like reasonably made the, has, is the most profitable saver on the network. There's always gonna be a, a most profitable uh, saver. So you choose the most profitable saver and then you say, well, congrats to the most profitable saver, but we can't support any more savers on this network. So here is all your Bitcoin back. And we, you know, you, you stream out a swap back to them and you give them back all their, all their, you know, all their principal and all their profit and then uh, yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much the the entire idea. Where it's like it, it basically it cashes it, it cashes out the, the the person that is in the highest percentage of of profit 
because I mean, to me, it seems like the most fair way of doing it. You could do it the largest, but uh, it seems that, yeah, that would have its own problems. But yeah, I, I would I would go a little bit further, and 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 you wouldn't reject the individual fully. You would you would probably just do a partial. Yeah, well, I thought about that, and that actually probably wouldn't solve the problem because if you partially do it, it like that, that creates a much higher, uh, a much higher mental thing going on where it's like you have a position that like sometimes could get partially ejected, and then you get some of it back, and you have to redeposit by just cashing out fully. That like. So there's been a, about a, a total of like 10 Bitcoin earned by, by all the savers, like 10 synthetic Bitcoin has been minted and given to the savers since like savers have started depositing. Even if you took out all that 10 Bitcoin, which is everyone's uh, everyone's profit per se, like distributed around every saver, that doesn't really scratch the surface of the synth utilization. Like, I, I don't think that would really move the needle at all. Uh, like I, I thought about just like, yeah, you could just take people's the cash in people's profits and give them back the profits and keep the principal. But in the end, that doesn't actually solve the, uh, it doesn't meaningfully bring down the synth utilization at the end of the day. Uh, and it seems it, to me like, it, like giving back like 50% it, of someone's deposit seems kind of weird. It, it, um, it does solve the problem in the sense that you do drive down synth utilization to the specific amount that you're targeting. In this case, let's just call it 50%. So it just still accomplished the goal, right? Like if you um, if you just do an entire position irrespective to the to the actual target we're going for, then, then you'll naturally overshoot it. Um, which maybe that's maybe we're okay with that. Maybe that's not a big deal. It depends on the size of that the particular individual, right? That individual could have like. 300 BDC, for example, and that would be, you know, an extreme scenario, but like you wouldn't want to eject 300 BDC from, from Sabres. That would be just way too much, right? Yeah, true, but we don't have any more than like 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, and, and with streaming swaps, that could shift though because streaming swaps make it so cheap to get in, cheap to get out, so it makes it more practical to be able to have like a thousand room a thousand bitcoin position in the savers pool well you physically right? can't have a thousand room no no you, you really can't you, <laughs> you literally cannot now I'm just, I'm just saying that like we don't we don't have somebody with a 50 bit bitcoin position or whatever just because the fees to get into that would have been you know absorbently expensive and with streaming swaps if we had stream swaps this entire time for example like just roll back the clock and like we we got streaming swaps working six months ago or whatever then likely we'd probably have, you know, somebody who was more than 30 BDC that we'd probably have somebody that was, in, you know, closer to 50 or even a hundred, you know, and, and then we want to eject that much BDC. That's anyways, it's, it's an interesting question. I, I do, I do like the idea. I do like the approach. I, I would much prefer to do, have done that, but and it's something that, that I had floated to the community, uh, this general, general, general concept, like, you know, a long time ago, when I floated the idea of negative interest rates, I also floated this concept as well. Uh, but, you know, neither one got too much traction in the community. So, Yeah, ne negative interest rates, to me, that totally breaks savers. And, like, I do not, like, I, I, it, it solves the problem, but it breaks the product of savers. So, I, like, that's why I like this that idea as a concept that doesn't break the concept of savers and just keeps it as, like, an attractive product people can use, people can build on top of. But it, uh, you know, it still it still solves the issue, but not 
without destroying the, the entire like premise of the product, it makes it not usable, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, to be honest, like, it's not so much the, that approach doesn't actually really generate negative interest rates in reality. Like it, it says that it can do it in theory, but in reality, it probably would never even really get there. And if it did get there, the negative interest rate would be so minuscule in size that it would be basically close, basically zero. But it just creates the market psychology we want to get people to 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 leave on, on their their own uh, choice. Yeah, but the the reason that it breaks savers is because the the basically the the entire product of savers is not it, it's not tethered to the price of rune where you, you there's no exposure to the rune price, but that directly exposes the whatever saver to the rune price, whether like they understand that or not. The the saver if if it's possible for the savers to get a negative interest rate based on synth utilization, that does d- directly expose that saver to. Uh, well, that's that's price. that's true. Like with this one that was passed, right? Rune's price goes down. We we just passed this whole vote thing. That that's true now. Like, well, no, because that is just that that's it doesn't take it doesn't take away from your your earnings slash right, slash but your, principle. But right? your your interest goes down relative to Rune's price performance. Or up. right, but that but that is much more acceptable than. Than the rest of the bit. Okay, but we're, we're talking about the same thing of interest rates go down, and then you're just, you're just like it, it just can't zero. Right, but like, I, but uh, I think the real difference is like okay, it can go down, but it can't go it can't go negative, right? Like it can't, it can't but, eat into your into your principal. But what I'm saying is that like in practicality, it wouldn't go negative. Like on paper, it would, right? In terms of theory, like that's, that's what you're reacting to. It's what the community's reacting to. Is that like, oh, everybody's going to lose their money in a negative blah blah blah. That's no, and it it would never even get to the negative interest rate. And that is would your happen. is your argument that if the minimum was zero percent, that people just wouldn't leave because they'd just be like, ah, whatever, like I'll wait it out. I don't know. To be honest with you, like I, it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case, right? Like it's just because Savers is a product that was designed from the get go to not be a product or DGENs who are like constantly checking their yields every day, blah, 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 and just constantly sw- switching their positions to something that's more profitable. Savers was really designed for the individual who just wanted to like set it and forget it, walk away, you know, go on vacation and not check their phone every 12 hours to see if their yield is going one direction or the other. That's why in part it's 50% yield, it's a static 50% yield just to create a very low cognitive idea and that you don't, you don't have to worry about too much about your, your yield. Like it's, it's fairly consistent to, to a certain degree. Um, and so the, the product, people aren't really necessarily paying attention who are in savers. I don't know what the percentage of people are who are like you know, checking their yields every day and, and are willing to, to exit if it was 0%. But even if it did hit 0%, like you can just sit there and do nothing and then wait till tomorrow and then interest will go back up because somebody else might leave. And then it becomes like a game of chicken. Right, like interest rates go to zero. Me, Thoreau, and and Cow are all in the pool together, and we're just waiting for one of us to break. And for you know, I'm waiting for Cow to leave because you know, and he's going to pay the fees to to exit. And then once he leaves, okay, now me and Thoreau are, gonna, are kind of you know back in the green and start making an interest rate again. Blah blah. blah. Like that's not how the, the to me the incentives there aren't aren't, aren't the strongest, right? 
Yeah, Malarkey. Yeah, I want to bring back uh, an old topic that I don't think I've heard discussed in probably over a year. Um, I think we went through several iterations of this back in the day, which was light nodes, a.k.a. vault nodes. And, you know, just as we're hitting max TVL, I'm wondering if there's any wiggle room to either bring back that idea or to open up validators to people with smaller amounts of rune to run their own validators just to bring in, you know, more people that might be in the project that might be interested, but don't have uh, a half million bucks saved up. Yeah, Volt Nodes. I haven't thought about Volt Nodes in a super long period of time. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, well, there's one vote that's actually, like, starting to go on, but it's not, like, you know, passed or anything yet about increasing the number of bond providers from 6 to 10. So that um, there are a handful of nodes in the network today that have already hit the cap of six. Um, and in, hypothetically, if we were to increase to 10, maybe that they would increase their bonds. Um, I do want to be careful about adding too many small bond nodes. Like the minimum bond right now is 300,000. And if somebody were to add 300,000 to a new node, it actually could be detrimental to the actual security of the network or not add to it, but take away because... Um, um, the it's the effective security is, is the bottom two thirds, which can go down in that scenario, depending on some some things. But like that's something to to be considered of. Um, but vault nodes is kind of an interesting idea that I have, literally have not thought of for many months now. Um, I have to like brush up on it again, but that could be something we could possibly do. Yeah, because that that you wouldn't need like a you know a three hundred thousand dollar bond. You could do it with a very small amount of room, and it would be effective yeah i bought a bunch of vault node domains back in the day so i'm ready to use them whenever you are <laughs> yeah um yeah thank you for reminding me of that concept i had totally forgotten about it um i'll spend some time this week uh just kind of mulling it over and thinking about it and it's um how it might be able to help us in the scenario and, and, and get back to you on it cool that's all i had yeah, I mean, so go, going along with this this whole thing, um, what did you think, Chad, about increasing the what is it the max the maximum effective bond? Where essentially there's an upper limit, not not a hard limit, but there's a limit to how big a uh, a bond can be before they start plateauing off of rewards uh, i believe it's um it's linear up until that point where it just kind of clips off and if you it's like maybe like 950k rune where if you're above that number you know you put one and a half million rune in a node it doesn't actually increase the uh the the total like bond right it, it does increase the amount of rewards that you're getting even though you've increased your, your total bond do you think increasing that would actually would help solve the problem by letting like provider like you know like 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 nine realms or any other um like entity that that runs validators to uh, to scale up and to to run more validators to help solve the problem of security or do you think that that makes little effect now that i'm thinking about it, it probably makes little effect because those are probably the top one third of nodes so maybe that doesn't actually make a difference yeah so the the reason why there's that cliff and that right now, that cliff is at like I think it's like nine hundred and thirty-five or nine hundred forty thousand rune, 
is because if you are in the top one third and you have, you know, 950, 960, a million, million point, whatever, um, that extra rune above the 930 or 940 mark is not adding to security. So if I had a node right now and I just, and I had like 10 million rune and I just like bonded 10 million rune into my node right now, like I wouldn't actually add any additional security beyond the initial 930 or 940 thousand rune so that's the reason why there's a cliff is to like create the 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 proper incentives for nodes being like you know what if you're going to go above this marker then maybe just create a new node and just be able to run two nodes instead of one node and you know if you got not 1.5 million rune in your pocket then you know just run two nodes instead of running running one effectively I mean, by doing so, you would actually increase the effective security like line, the line in the sand, right? Every time somebody bonds up to a node that is above that line, that line gets moved up, which means there's more, there's more security. Yes. But the issue with continually just bonding more and more nodes, like, so like if you're, if you're an entity that's like bonding a ton of nodes, like you don't want to be in a position where you're running uh, a significant number of nodes in the network because, you know, that, that, just that that opens up a whole can of worms being you know too close to like a like a civil resistance um like threshold and just no no one wants to be in the position of like being a uh like a majority of of the network like that that is like everyone can agree that it's not like a a good position uh yeah but that's that's not the that's not the case now like uh, there are a handful of, of community people you know, like Thorchain Bull, and I think uh, D5 Sandy is another one, and um, Nine Realms is another one, who just run a bunch of nodes for, and then people can deposit their rune to their nodes and blah, blah, blah. But the, the, the amount to, uh, of nodes that those, that Nine Realms runs or, or those people run is not significant enough to, to be an issue. At least that's true in this current moment. We can readdress the problem if we if we get to that place. But for, at the moment where we're like, we're, we would love just to see more security in the network than, you know, reducing uh, barriers to add more security to the network is probably a good thing. If it gets to a place where, you know, Nine Realms is running half the nodes, which is obviously never going to happen, but like hypothetically, if it were, then like that would be a significant problem. They would have enough, um, they would probably have enough nodes to be able to put into uh, one Asgard to be able to, you know, rug pull that Asgard if they wanted to in that, in that scenario. Not that they would do that, even if they could do that, but like, um, it's just we, we can deal with that problem when we kind of get, get closer to it by changing the incentives or something like this. But I, I don't think that's a really uh, something to be concerned about uh, right now, at least. Uh, brought up NL, but you know what? Maybe like Mogarki was onto something with his vault node thing because for people who are bonding up to you know one of Thorchain Bull's nodes, or whatever, like they're doing it because they maybe don't have enough capital on their own um, to do it, or maybe they don't have enough te- technical like savviness to be able to run their own node, so they're kind of outsourcing it in some sense to, to Thorchain Bull. And if you had, if you did the vault node thing. While the technical requirements are still going to be high, the same, 
the monetary requirements in terms of how much a rune is required to, to do that becomes a lot lower. You, you could do it. I think I, if I remember correctly, and I haven't, I have, to, I have to brush up on the design a bit, but like you could you could theoretically do it with you know a hundred rune, right, or something really really small, uh, and and run a vault. You wouldn't wouldn't be profitable for you because of the cost of running all the infrastructure. You wouldn't make enough income to make it worthwhile, but you could probably do it for like a very low amount of rune, which, which in that case you can add to security and secure funds uh, in a way that has like a low low bond requirement. That would be that could actually might be a, a catalyst to increasing the security of the network. Yeah, I don't really remember the whole. Like, I remember there was a concept of vault nodes, but I don't think we like it was ever really nailed down. Like, what the purpose would be in actually adding some kind of functionality or security to the network. Well, the purpose would be, or, or right, how yeah, yeah, like, like what, like what does a, and I know you haven't seen seen this in a while too. I haven't thought about this in a while either. Like, what, what does a vault node actually do? It actually increases the amount of security in the network, right? So it's a way for people to uh, bond up to create a node and bond up. They're not participating in consensus. They're not signing blocks, you know, as the current validators do. They have a secondary. It's like a, it's like a B class validator that's not validating blocks of Thorchain, but just securing funds by itself, right? And by doing so, you know, the effective um, bond uh, increases, right? Uh, because say hypothetically that there's a hundred million rune in validators right now, a validator bond just to keep the math a little bit easy and say there was, you know, uh, 30 million rune uh, on those kind of like vault nodes bonded up. So the effective security without those, that 30 million, it it becomes um, probably about um, like 50 million. Let's call it 50 million. It's probably a little bit higher than that, but just keep it simple. Uh, The, with the vault security, you actually increase the effective, the effective security to, I think about 80 million. Right, you're actually adding, and it's arbitrarily as like as much as you want, right? Um, because those nodes are holding the BDC and the ETH and whatever assets it might be holding. It's assets that the validators themselves don't have access to because it's not in the in keys that they control. And in order to to convince a um, a vault node to to, to be malicious towards one of the vault nodes, even if you Sybil attack the network in this scenario, you still wouldn't be able to rug the BDC that the vault node carries, right? Because the vault node's running a full node of its own software. And if you were to Sybil attack the network and then like run your own code, that vault node would basically get a consensus failure. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be able to take, you know, to receive, you know, requests to move funds. So it would be, it would be frozen in its current state, which is, which is what we want. Right, and the fact that it runs uh, the other way you can attack it is through uh, malicious or fake transaction observations. But because uh, vault nodes run, you know, full daemons of themselves, they can individually, um, you know, verify things. So, if, for example, a swap came through, and we need to send somebody one BBC to some BBC one address, the vault node can assign. Sorry, the validators of the network itself can assign the vault node to hey send one BDC to this guy over here, here's the transaction information. And then the vault node, because it has access to you know, a Bitcoin full, full node, it can verify that that inbound transaction is correct, 
that the swap logic was correct because of it's running you know the same rules as everybody else and if they would change underneath them they would, would not be able to run at all and so that way like the vault node is able to contribute to security and and then you know have the effect of bond be increased That was, a, that was like a long spiel there, but uh, hopefully that makes sense to people. Yeah, I mean, if that's a realistic thing to explore, I, I, that could really like turn the tides on increasing security and really gives like the average rune holder, a, maybe not the average, because I guess, yeah, there's still the technical requirement, but opens up like a new path to rune on rune yield which is like kind of the holy grail that so many of us have wished existed so yeah i mean if that can be possible it'd be incredible yeah chad what did you think about adding more and more bond providers like i mean we're at six right now and there's a vote to go up to 10 bond providers per node like do you like do you see that just continuing to to increase or like because i don't think that we would just continue to increase it indefinitely obviously um just because of like our own security concerns for this network yeah i think i don't think we'll need to like constantly increase it um right now i think last time i looked there was like i think five or six nodes that are that have hit the six bond providers cap um, if we were to push it at 10, I would assume, you know, maybe one or two or three of those would hit the 10 bump of our cap. And so like, I think you would get a diminishing, uh, return in some sense. Like you would just, like, if we put it to a hundred, you wouldn't see, I, I doubt you'd see nodes with a hundred bond, like a hundred bond providers being actually utilized. So I don't think we'll actually, um, get to that point where just like increase it forever, to be honest with you. I think we'll increase it to 10 to start and we'll just see what the network does and what, what, you know, node operators actually do and, you know, react accordingly. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause I mean, like, yeah, I understand, I guess I understand the concept of the, uh, of what the vault node would be, but uh, you know, you're just getting more and more people because there's plenty of people that just that just hold like you know small amounts of of rune right and it doesn't seem like it solves the problem of really um not 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 this even the right solution to let like the masses participate in like security and being able to contribute towards a towards a node that's really just like makes it so more people could run like a full validator which is already a, a small subset of like of people who have the you know the technical skills to to run a a Thorchain validator, right? It's not it's not a simple task, especially if you're going to do that on on bare metal. Cool. Well, I, I mean, back. anything else you guys? Oh yeah. Something you want to say, Mogard? Say Mog. Not. I don't see him as a speaker on my end. Maybe Twitter's I glitching. I see him as a speaker on my end. Maybe it's just a Twitter bug. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. I mean, anything else you guys want to discuss today? 
What else is going on? Um, what's going on? I feel like it's something I'm just forgetting. I, I, I there's something I was thinking early in the conversation. I forgot what it was, and now I'm forgetting. I can't remember. Um, oh yeah, there was one thing that was kind of really fascinating. Um, I did a little bit of work with the help of multipartite around the analysis of like of um, depth versus fees, right? Like the relationship of like how, mu- how much fees does a pool, you know, generate relative to its depth and like, are those two things, you know, correlated or are they not correlated or, or whatever. And, um, and I mean, I kind of expected them to be correlated personally, but there were some people in the, in the community that maybe did not feel that way. Uh, and it was actually really interesting to see like there actually is a, a pretty good correlation between those two things that they that in part, like you can make the argument that in part, one of the reasons why Thorchain has been performing well relative to other DEXs in terms of like trade volume and TVL uh, is because of savers and, and savers, is, you know, contribute a lot of liquidity to the network, which also caused a lot more trading in those pools um, and more fees to be collected, which is just like, you know, obviously really good for the, for the protocol. And then also it kind of creates this little, it's really interesting thing of like, if you look at any given pool, it's, it's depth in rune and it's liquidity that's fees that's collected in, in rune. And you can divide those two numbers and you get a kind of, you get like a line. You can see that line on the graph relative to other pools to kind of get as a, as an easy way to, to see like how, you know, how capital efficient is pool A versus pool B, right? Uh, for every rune that's added in TVL, how much fees and swap volumes coming through per rune, right? And you can do that analysis and like look at the, the profitability of a particular pool and see which pools are really profitable for the network. And they're just like producing, you know, a, a good ratio between um, the fees collected and the depth of the pool versus ones that are like maybe smaller and not actually uh, having, a, having that good alignment. So it's actually kind of interesting way of like, of like, how do we ana- analyze the how well a particular chain is performing? It's just by looking at um, the depth divided by uh, room fees collected. Any standout parts of that data that that really um, stood out to you? I I don't I remember where this is posted. By the way, I thought I saw it this morning, and now I've I've lost it. It's in the economic design uh, channel of, on Discord. Anybody wants to go check out the graphs and kind of read into it um i think overall like they're they're pretty well correlated to each other like they're not there's not one that's like like way above everybody else or way below everybody else they're all more like they're they're fairly uh similar but um non-surprisingly like you know, ethereum and bitcoin are the the kind of the, the best performers in this regard and um you know i think um I want to say AVAX maybe or, or Guy are like the lowest performing ones. Checks out. Which makes sense, right? And then the question becomes like, if we were to launch Binance Smart Chain and we had the space to do so, um, you know, where would, where would that sit, you know, in this list of, you know, uh, chains? Like which one would it be, you know, at the bottom of it? Would it be at the top of it, right? And, and, we don't really quite know. Probably Trust Wallet be the biggest driver of that chain than anything else. And so we probably wouldn't see a whole lot of volume until Trust Wallet got, in, got got their kind of like hands in the, in the game here. 
Yeah, very true. I'm not sure how many swaps they drive per day, non-Thorchain routes. Anything else from the audience? And the haters have been out on full force on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> the reply guys everywhere. It's quite amusing to see. Um, yeah, they, they, they don't give up. And, uh, but I mean, it, it means nothing to like what's actually going on, like behind the scenes and like, you know, in, in development of, uh, of Thorchain in general. So just blocking out the noise and keep building is, uh, what I'm doing. Yeah, man. That's all it's all about. Like, it's easy to get distracted by price. It doesn't matter if we're talking about bear market or bull market. Like, the price, not that it doesn't matter, but it just, it just, it's not, it's not the it's not the end goal here. The end goal is is to to build something that actually solves a real problem. It's a real value proposition for the industry and for, for for humanity itself. And so like I'm always just kind of more focused on that than I am about, you know, price movements or, or you know, haters on t- Twitter CCing me on some uh nonsense tweet. Um but yeah, I totally know what you're talking about. Damn, I had something else I wanted to say. Oh, um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nope. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was right there. That was awesome. Damn it. That was fucking awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I, I think. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We're, we're we're like right there with like so many like really game changing integrations and like you know. Uh, like I, I just really want to see these like go out and live like things that are just delayed because of like just legal agreements and like th- things that are just just take a while to to get out there and like man we're we're like so close on the precipice of like just releasing more and more like 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 trust wallet level like integrations that like uh, that that we that I, I just I want to see them out so bad. Sounds like you got some alpha. <laughs> but yeah lots happening really exciting yeah that, that that's the thing i wish people would um understand more more is that, like it's market's quite bare just the industry in general is just like quite in a bare place but like we just keep on shipping right and we just keep on building new things shipping major features whether it be savers or streaming swaps or like lending or whatever it is like um integrating with uh, other partners like you were just in, uh, kind of alluring to alluding to um uh yeah man we're, we're like we just keep on sh- like shipping like crazy you know i actually was talking to and this is a true story um i was actually talking to a major exchange and i, I don't want to name which one and 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 they were <laughs> this is true they were upset with us because we kept on like shipping you know updates like they were, they were frustrated with like how frequently we were like adding, you know, things and, and fixing issues and, and just like constantly just shipping new code and, and like just, you know, doing what we do. And I was just like, I was just kind of like laughing to myself, like, what do you want us to do? Just sit on our hands and do nothing? I mean, that's not what we do here as a team. Like we're constantly looking to, you know, ship new things and, 
uh, fix fix it issues. It should be too much. They, there, there's way too many things that are just going out at, at every given. Moment. Literally, like, that's like, the thing they were they were against. They're uh, like, you're shipping yeah. way too much. I'm just like, oh, okay, weird. <laughs> I, I agree with them actually. I'm I'm, I'm with uh, I'm with them on this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd rather be shipping way too much than most of the other projects in crypto right now, which is shipping way too little, or just literally dead in the water. Uh, so I'll, I'll take that criticism then I'll take it happily. Yeah. It's just, it's definitely amusing seeing how many people are like, Oh, is, uh, is this project dead? And it's like, Oh, not really. Not really. Yeah. Not in the least. Anything else? All right, yeah. If no one wants to come back up then we can wrap it up. Chad throw, you got anything? Call it quits here. No, I think I'm good. Definitely not dead. Lots of exciting stuff going on. We're out here. We're here. <laughs> everyone who's oh, like, everyone who's tuning in on these, it's going to be like a historic time to look back on. I think you know, it's like you actually weathered the storm <laughs> and like didn't just disappear. <laughs> yeah, man. Thanks, thanks everybody for sticking around. Thanks everybody for coming to the space and and li- listen to me and Cow and Thoreau just yammer on for an hour or two. Absolutely. We'll do it all again next week. <laughs> There's a Thor Swap space tomorrow. If people Oh yeah, check you guys uh, integrated WooFi. I mean any anything you want to drop about uh, about that integration? Yeah, so it's live um, with AVAX and um, I I believe it's gives the best route on like a shockingly high number of routes. Like I, I wanna say I heard like fifty percent plus or something like that. So we'll dig into it tomorrow with the guys from from wufi on the space and yeah just to dig into the what the secret sauce is that makes that possible and now that's part of swap kit so so anyone using thor swap api swap kit everything that comes with that to get in their own app or decks or whatever like that's just another new route that'll give great new uh great better pricing on this new route so yeah it's just always exciting to see like the aggregation and, and swap kit just like continue to to be more and more effective amazing is it just avex routes currently yes uh have to get back on what else might be in the works but yeah avex is what's live awesome yeah uh yeah i'll tune into that space tomorrow then thanks All right, yeah, let's wrap it up here for today. Cool, wrap it up. Yep. All right. See you guys. See you guys. Peace.